Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from the book of Hebrews 11.29, carrying over to chapter 12, verse 2. This is a longer scripture, so as always, take whatever posture, whatever aid you need to experience these words. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, the Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and all of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. May God have blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? For these powerful words, God, we give thanks and we dare to ask 
for the grace to understand them. And if you should give us the grace to understand them anew here and now, give us also the courage to live them out. Amen. I know it when I see it. If you know the name Potter Stewart, you're likely one of three things. One, you're confusing the name Potter Stewart with the villain from It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. uh, Henry Potter, with the movie starring Jimmy Stewart. Not Potter Stewart. Or two, you're part of our congregation's sizable legal block. Or three, you have been blessed with ears and a penchant for the news. Potter Stewart was an associate Supreme Court justice from 1958 to 1981, right? For a time, he served as the swing vote on the court, and despite his accomplishments, which will ensure that he is guarded in the textbooks of American history, He shares a fate that will inevitably fall on many of us, including probably me, because he is not remembered most often for his wisest moments, his most elegant prose, writing thousands upon thousands of words in his life. He is remembered for one phrase, one less polished, sillier sentence. I know it when I see it. He was talking about lewd films which were the only types of films that he thought could be censored under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The film in question before the court was the 1958 French film, The Lovers. And as Stewart wrote, I know it when I see it, and the motion picture involved in this case is not that. Of course, you can probably understand why this is an unfortunate definition for lewd films as it pertains to censorship in the American legal system. Because what's the court supposed to do? Ask Mr. Potter Stewart, the man with this golden compass on the inside, to review every film and ensure that it's not eligible for censorship? Replace the MPAA with the Potter seal of approval? In terms of law, this seems clearly unfortunate, right? Laughable as a solution from one of the brightest legal minds. But in terms of faith, for faith, I know it when I see it, is an exceptionally good definition. Today's scripture from Hebrews 11 returns us to where we left off last week, more or less. If you weren't here last week, no shame, glad you're here this week. Uh, But Hebrews is something like a letter, especially in the sense that it was sent But it doesn't look like a conventional letter with the proper salutation and endings. It looks like somebody sent a sermon on to this church. And here in chapter 11, that preacher is beginning his closing argument. And he does so by detailing generations, centuries, a millennia-long family of faith. Today's reading includes the Hebrew people crossing the Red Sea, the fall of the wall of Jericho, Rahab, which, by the way, is why I didn't feel bad mentioning the Potter Stewart episode, 
A long name-checking session involving Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets. Clearly, clearly this preacher knows the Bible. But other than showing off, what is he doing? Hebrews was sent to a tired people, a tired church. If you notice towards the end, he's talking about taking off the weight that holds us down. A church that was so tired, it was struggling to keep hopeful, flagging in their energy and their attendance, their arms even drooping in prayer as they recovered from a global pandemonium. So we don't really know when Hebrews was sent out, but the world's always in pandemonium, so it didn't feel like a stretch. But here the preacher reaches his crescendo. The climax, the most important thing. We are not the first ones on this journey. Many, many, many have gone before us on the journey of faith. And God willing, many, many, many more will come after us on this journey of faith. You are not the first ones to have it rough. But look around. Faith shows up everywhere if you have the will to see it, if you have the eyes to perceive it. When you choose to put on those eyes of faith, you can see faith around every corner. Look, the preacher says, we're cut from the same cloth as Moses, who crossed the sea on dry ground. We are part of the same family as those who saw barriers tumble and crumble We are part of that family that conquered even when they were against the longest, most impossible odds. Insert, I was going to say like the Sooners or the Cowboys, right? We, we are called and sustained by the same God who called and sustained Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, the prophets, and... And you know what? We're part of the same lineage as those who had faith and who are not remembered for their success, their spoils, or their victory. Because a lot of people can find faith in the heroes. But you know what else those eyes of faith allow us to perceive? That we follow the same God as those who are tortured, flogged, mocked, stoned, imprisoned. That's faith too. You know it when you see it. Won't you see it? Our August series, as you know, is Back to Basics, where we're reading these last chapters of Hebrews, considering how they're forming us around this basic building block of the way of Jesus, which is faith. What faith does, what it is, why it's important. The preacher of Hebrews sees this long story of God's people fueled by faith. And this is not a story where everyone is always on the up and up. There are both the greatest hits and the bleakest nights. With the eyes of faith, the preacher knows it when he sees it. That both trial and triumph 
is a place where we can see the real and true and powerful faith of those who have gone before. So no, it's not terribly hard for many of us to imagine imitating the faith of those who are on this end of the scale. Those that crossed the Red Sea with Pharaoh's chariots nipping at their heels is terrifying, but they didn't make it to the other side. But can you imagine the faith of the destitute, the persecuted, the tormented? Can you imagine the faith of the crucified one? Here's the kicker for the author of Hebrews. They had faith and they were commended for their faith. But they still did not receive what was promised. None of them. Because as verse 40 states, apart from us, they were not perfect. It's important to pause on this point. Because this verse particularly, in some of its worst instances, Christians have taken that verse 40, that apart from us, as proof that people of uh, other faiths, particularly Jewish people, are not faithful or faithful enough. And that line of thinking, no matter how well you try to dress it up, leads to a devaluing of other faiths, particularly in this case Judaism. But rather, I think verse 40 is communicating something a little more particular. You see, we use perfect most of the time to talk about how good chocolate tastes, or like chocolate cake, or how wonderful new socks feel on your feet. Or how great the pool is. End of the day, it's perfect. We use it in this kind of best sense. This divine sense. So good it can't be improved. And that's not wrong. But it doesn't capture how this word was used before our moment. Which is complete. Finished. Like Paul says in Romans 11... We're like a wild olive branch of this Christian movement, these people who follow Jesus that have been grafted onto the original olive tree of God's faithful family. We were graciously welcomed into God's family. And we are grafted onto this path that is long and old. And because we belong to this great family tree, we have been given these spectacles to perceive movement of God in many times and many places. And so we have these eyes of faith. So as part of that lineage, what do we do? What do we do now that we have been given this family of faith where we see examples in every generation? We look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, our branch on this tree of faithfulness. We look to the one who walked the path most fully, most perfectly, most completely. To us, Jesus demonstrates best what endurance in this family of faith looks like. That for the joy set before him, he endured suffering For the love of God and for the love of neighbor. He carried this way of faithful love from life to death and back to life again. 
And so the preacher tells that tired church, we are part of this story. We journey on this same road. The family isn't all here without us. Church, it is the case that this story of faith that has been going for some 3,000 years isn't complete without us. But I regret to inform you this one last thing. We have still not received what was promised, not in full. We've received in part, but the renewal of creation is happening, but it's not complete yet. It's not perfect. The full power of God's righteousness, of God's justice, is not always followed. Love is not always the measure. The race is not finished. At least not yet. And if we are still running the race some 2,000 years after Hebrews was first sent to church, then we can assume that our family of faith is not complete either. That there are still others that would join us in this race and on this path of Jesus. In other words... Just as it was true for the church in the past, so it is true for the church of today. We are not finished. We are not complete. We are not perfect without those disciples of Christ that we do not yet know. So let us continue to run the race, throwing off every weight and sin that would hold us back. Let us run the race in our families, breaking old habits and building new treasures. Let us run the race in our work, doing quality labor, treating employees with dignity, and valuing time for all. Let us run the race in our town, helping those who suffer, rooting out the causes of suffering, helping to build a place that welcomes and includes all here out on the western prairie. Let us run the race in this church, showing up for each other, making casseroles, sending cards, listening, praying, literally being present for one another in the triumphs and the trials of life. And it just might be that someone will peek over, look in, and see what's going on. And Lord willing, they're going to go, whoa, baby. That is faith. Because they'll know it when they see it. Amen.